0: going to be in Genesis 43. We've been walking through Genesis, uh, especially getting to see the story of Joseph here lately and the example that he is setting. It's one that is really miraculous when it comes to the human heart, to see a guy that's been thrown in jail for many years for something that he did not do. You see a guy that um, walks through life starts at just a little bit arrogant but the more and more I look at the story especially when you get to the back side of the story I think that's what you see in a lot of Old Testament stories when you get to the back side of the story it helps clarify the front side of the story you also see that in revelation too uh, you get toward the end of revelation and, and the front of revelation makes a lot more sense and so as I look at Joseph's life a lot of people will say that you know Joseph's coat was this grand thing that is dad was picking favorites, and it's not really that. What it really is, is he was picking the head of his household. And so when he bypassed all those brothers before him, all but one almost, I think it was all but one, because he was the youngest other than Benjamin, he was saying that he was the the chosen one that's going to get all the inheritance as well, because he came from the wife that he loved the most and things. But moreover, I also think that Joseph was the one that walked the way that Jesus walked. And that really put some, attributes some to Rachel and how she lived. And if we look back at Rachel's story, where you see Rachel um, stealing the household idols, you kind of see the motives maybe was to get his, her dad to... Turn away from those idols, and so I give her a lot more grace in this too, just because I see Joseph's character, and we can see a lot. And that's not all the case. That's not always the case. If you, especially, especially if you look at the kings, first uh, and second kings, first and second chronicles. It's a good king, bad king, good king, bad king, almost all the way through until it goes bad, 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 and then bye bye Israel, good, bad, good, bad, bad, bad for um, Judah, and then bye bye Judah, right. So, there's some, some rough times there, but when we left our band of brothers, I couldn't say last time we met our heroes, so I said, when we left our band of brothers, because that's what they are, they were minus three, right? They don't have one, one still with their father, he's the, cho- the new chosen son, Benjamin, and he takes that place in the story as well, sometimes. And there's one that's left in prison in Egypt, and that's Simeon. And he kind of re- represents each one of us as we're in pres- prison in sin. He's there to, to left to sit and reflect. And then there's one that's in charge of Egypt that they thought was dead and now is alive again, which is Joseph. He's watching his brothers to see for this change. And that's what we're going to see this the beginning Uh, The end of this chapter is the beginning of the major test. Uh, Next week we'll finish the part B of the major test, so you will have to tune in for that, I guess. And as as I think of the brothers in captivity, I think of Simeon, and I can only imagine being in his place Yes, they were all in jail for three days, but now in verse 10, they, it says that the brothers could have been there and back again. They could have done a hobbit's tale twice. Uh, some of you guys catching that reference? Twice in that amount of time, right? And you look at this, and I just, I, this is all Shane. This is all Shane here, but Simeon's he's back in prison counting on the days. I know I would be. I can do this. I can do this. You know, I'm only talking what it takes about three weeks one way, three weeks the other. So we're talking about six weeks, and I'll be out of here. No problem. No problem at all. I, I got this, right? And I'm, only, I'm taking that account from, from Moses because that's the one I found on the Internet. It was about 776 miles one way. And you say if they walk about three and a half miles per hour a day, which is a pretty fast pace because three is about average. That would take you 222 hours. If you did 10-hour days, and I didn't cut the Sabbath out because I figured the brothers are probably not keeping the Sabbath at this point, would um, be about 22 days there and 22 days back, and he would know. He he knew how long it took him to get there. And so that first week, he's calculating this, and he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah. You know, they're they're just they're they're by the Getty or wherever they may be. You know, they're by the pool of whatever." I'm sure that's what it was called too—the pool of whatever. When I mean, you look it up, the map today. The second three weeks is what if Dad, wouldn't send Ben? That's a big problem because I'm just recalling Dad did not like Benjamin coming down in the first place. What's going to change his mind? He's the chosen son. Why would he give himself up for me? And the doubt starts to set in. And the doubt creeps in, and he's kind of wondering am I ever going to get out of here? Am I ever going to be okay? I wonder what Joseph was feeling about about now in Egypt in captivity. First time he made this trip, it was with a bunch of guys driving camels, and he didn't even get to ride anything. He had to walk it, and he was probably bound because we know he would have went back because we know Joseph, right? So, but you know, any day they're going to be here. They're going to be here. You know, it's been three weeks there, three weeks back. or take a day for the donkey to break down? I don't know what it was, right? Um, they'll be here anytime. The third three weeks, well, I might have missed a few days. The days are kind of dark and the, the nights aren't much better. It's kind of hard to keep track down here. I'm not really sure, but they, they're going to, be here right right i where are they the fourth three weeks they're not coming they left me here just like they did to joseph they've abandoned me i can't believe they've done that the fifth three weeks at least right we know it'd have to be at least five because it's there and back there and back and there that'd be five if i counted it i'm a big numbers guy Hope is lost, right? They're not coming. Man. I really screwed up. I trusted my brothers. I thought they loved me. I thought they were there for me. They didn't. What if something happened to them? That there's, of course, they loved me. Something happened to them. They, they got bandits along the way. Maybe somebody got hurt. I, oh, I hope. I hope Reuben's okay. He had that. Heart condition, I don't know how he was handing them the heat. But right now I'm all on my own. What am I going to do? Praise God that He has a way for us, through His Son, to rescue us from ourselves, because otherwise we'd be in that same place as Simeon. We'd be left in that desperation, and we'd be stuck. Right? We'd have to settle for stuck because there wouldn't be an option to get out of there. So we're going to look at chapter 43, but we're going to back up and read the first verse in 42, starting in verse 38. And then we'll go on into 43, the first 14 verses. Great story of redemption here. It says, Jacob replied, my son will not go down with you. This is uh, Benjamin he's talking about. His brother Joseph is dead, and he is all I have left. And if anything should happen to him on your journey, you would send this grieving white-haired man to his grave. Verse 1. But the famine continued to ravage the land of Canaan. And when the grain they had brought from Egypt was almost gone, Jacob said to his sons, Go back and buy us a little more, more food. So Judah said, The man was serious when he warned us. "'You won't see my face again unless your brother is with you. "'If you see, send Benjamin with us, we will go down and buy more food. "'But you don't. if you don't let Benjamin go, we won't go either.'" Remember, the man said, "'You won't see my face again unless your brother is with you.'" "'Why were you so cruel to me, Jacob moaned? "'Why did you tell him you had another brother?' "'The man kept asking us questions about our family,' they replied." He asks, is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? So we answered his questions. How could we know he was just saying, bring your brother down here? And Judah said to his father, and notice this because I don't talk about it in scripture or the sermon too much, but Judah steps up to be the head of the household type man that he's supposed to do, puts himself on the line, not his two sons like Reuben tried to do, and um, leads and takes responsibility. "'Send the boy with me, and we will be on our way. "'Otherwise, we will all die of starvation. "'And not only we, but you and our little ones. "'I personally guarantee his safety. "'You may hold me responsible if I don't bring him back to you. "'Then let me bear the blame forever. "'If we hadn't wasted all this time, "'we could have gone and returned twice by now.' "'So their father Jacob finally said to them, "'If it can't be avoided, then at least do this. "'Pack your bags with the best products of this land.' Take them down to the man as a gift, balm, honey, gum, aromatic resin, p- pistachio nuts, and almonds. Also take double the money that was put in your sacks, and it was probably someone's mistakes. Yeah, that's what it was, probably someone's mistake. And then take your brother and go back to the man. May God Almighty give you mercy as you go before the man so that he will release Simeon, And let Benjamin return. But if I must lose my children, so be it. Notice it's the first mention of God in a long, long time. And it was more in the God browbeating you fashion than it is in a God's good way. Unrepented sin. It is caught up to the brothers. They are there. And I can almost hear it. Right? There's a showdown that's going down. Whew, I didn't know if I'd had the whistle this morning. I, dare, I did. Jacob says Ben is not going. He's not going. I'm not sending him. You saw what happened to Joseph. It's not. I've lost one son. And I gave him the coat. Made him the head of the household. And now he's killed. There's no way that I'm going to send him because I've been in mourning over him ever since. The brothers all this time had an opportunity to confess and break this mourning process, but they didn't because then they would have to confess their sins. Unrepented sin has consequences not only in the brothers, in that their relationship with the Lord was tainted, but they also had some with their father, right? They have changed their father's life forever. And the fact that he is mourning, and he is a broken man because of this. A while later, Jacob says, Oh yeah, why haven't we gone down and get grain? go ahead and get it in verse one. And they said, will Ben go with us? Well, no, he's not going with us. Well, the man was harsh with us. And you imagine what Joseph did to them. He must have just right up to the point of roughed him up, right? Threw him in jail, obviously. They were not expecting this treatment. And he was harsh because they mention it two or three times. They say it when he gets home. They say it every time. They're not going back there because the guy was a jerk right? And he knew things about us. I don't know how he did that. He just knew things. And he set clear guidelines for us to follow. And if we don't follow them, it's not going to go well with us. He said to bring the youngest son. So so we know, and the story goes, the drought's going to last for seven years. We're only about a little ways into it. God presses the drought for a little longer, and they're able to hold out. They cut rations halfway. They must, have, they must have really cut those rations, right? And then a quartered them because I'm not sending this, the youngest one. And finally, Jacob is broken. We'll just give back the money and we'll take more money for new grain and we'll take down to this man as gifts, balm and honey and gum and aromatic resin and pistachio nuts and almonds. Not almond nuts, but pistachio nuts. It was probably somebody else's fault. Yeah, that's what it is. It was somebody else's fault. <laughs> the money got put in our sacks because we took it on, we were supposed to. No, it was somebody else's fault. Right? Look how they're trying to justify. The sins of the previous and this money mistake. When did they see that the money was in their sack? They saw it the first day. They could have been added one more day to the trip, took the money back, and resolved it then. But no, they keep the money in their sacks. They keep going on to find that all of them had their money in their sacks when they got home. Very interesting. So bring back... They're trying to justify by self-righteousness there. It was somebody else's fault. It's somebody else's doing. It wasn't mine. I don't need to take responsibility for this. Jacob says, Bring back my son Simeon and Benjamin, but if I lose all my sons, so be it. In a sense, he has surrendered to the terms the judge has set, the judge being God and Joseph, you know, God through Joseph, So be it. This is how it's going to be. Is it? Yep, that's how it's going to be. So let's bring bring it home. Let's bring it to us, right? This story allows us to see into the agony of God the Father. It allows us to see the desperation that God had to giving up his son, just like Jacob had to give up Joseph A little bit different scenario, obviously, but that's what the symbolism is, right? It shows us the heartache that God had to do to give up his son for our sins. And look what it did to Jacob over time. Just praise. Maybe that's one of the reasons why Jesus is only gone for three days, because maybe God the Father couldn't. Well, I'm sure he could handle anything, but didn't want to have to handle it longer than that. The chosen son, Joseph, I have lost him. He has not forgot. Could you imagine the brothers, oh, he'll be over in a week. He's got all of us. A week goes by, uh, he ain't getting any better. What are we going to do? Reuben's over there going, I told you so. I told you he wouldn't be. And all the other ones are like, Reuben would know because he saw the grudge against Reuben already, right? Oh, man. So God... puts him in a place where he's going to have to lose Benjamin as well, not to mention all of his sons. And God has brought them to a place of desperation. A place where they cannot survive unless they go back in the terms of this judge of Joseph, a.k.a. God's plan, and it has been tough. It's like breaking a calf to lead. I've mentioned this before, but if you've ever done it before, it can literally be a pain in the butt, right? I learned as I got older that there is a pole out there called the power pole, and if you tie that rope to the power pole, it pulls a lot harder than the calf does. You don't have to do the pulling. You just go up there, flick the calf's nose, it pulls against the thing, and you just wait till it breaks, Right? So what are some of the things that you dangle in front of a calf to get it to break? You bring in a water pail and you bring it up there and it comes off and it finds out that if it breaks the pressure, you bring milk there, that's guaranteed, it'll come right to milk. Uh, Grain, it'll come to grain a lot of times too. So you bring all those things and the the calf will come and break. But you get one of these stubborn calves every once in a while that is just going to pull and pull and pull and pull and pull. And then it doesn't care what you offer. I think that's what we have with the brothers. They just keep pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling in defiance in this rebellious state against the Lord. And they are saying, I am not going to do this. I will be my own master. I will be the captain of my own ship. And God says, oh yeah? Yeah. look at all my fields. Look at all the flocks that I have. I have all that I need. What more could I need from you, God? And God takes those away, doesn't he? He takes away the lush pastures when he takes the moisture away. He takes away the sheep because now they don't have anything for that. And they takes away more and more and more. Until they're in a desperate place where they have to cry out to God. How about us? Have we ever felt lost? Ever felt that hopelessness? Out of gas? Where are we gonna turn? Well, I'm gonna go to my people. You know, that's I hear that a lot today. Those are my people. When I need somebody, I go to my people. What happens when we offend those people, or they're offended, or maybe they pass away? Um, I go to my job, I put, my, I put it into my work, and that's how I get by. Sometimes I, it's, I put it into my addiction or my drug. or Sometimes I just put it into myself, and I become my own king, which is dangerous, and the most dangerous of all, I would say. Often God brings us to a low position so that he can lift us up. That we might turn to him. Instead, like Jacob says, well, let's take our old payment. We'll take our old payment there and, and take it there and we'll give it back. And then we'll bring this new payment and we'll buy new grain. And we'll add more money for that. And then we'll take all these balms and honeys and aromatic resins and the nuts and all the things. And we'll take those as a gift offering to them as well. As we mentioned, it was probably somebody else's fault and not ours. And justify once again by the self righteous means. There's only one way out, there's only one way, and it's through the terms. That Joseph has set. And there's only one way that we have out of our sins, and that's through the terms that God sets for us in Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So God has a way through his Son to rescue us from ourselves. The greatest danger. Let's continue on in the story says in verse 15 through 23, he says, "So the man packed up Joseph's gifts and doubled the money and headed off with Benjamin. They finally arrived in Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin was with them, he said to the manager of his household, "These men will eat with me this noon. Take them inside the palace, then go slaughter an animal and prepare a big feast." So the man did as Joseph told him and took them into Joseph's palace. The brothers were terrified when they saw they were being taken into Joseph's house. It's because of the money someone else put in our sacks last time that we're here, they said. He plans to pretend that we stole it, and then he's going to seize us and make us slaves and take our donkeys. He's going to take their donkeys, folks. This is serious. Not just make them slaves. But he's going to take their donkeys. Uh, the brothers approached them manager of joseph's household and spoke to him in the entrance of the palace sir they said we came to egypt once before to buy food just as we were returning home we stopped for the night and we opened our sacks and then they discovered that each man's money the exact amount paid was put in the top of his sacks here it is we have brought it back with us we also have an additional money to buy more food we have no idea who put the money back in our sacks relax do not be afraid household manager told them your God the God of your father must have put the treasure into your sacks I know I received your payment and then he released Simeon and brought him out to them wow what a powerful statement which brings us to point number two a feast of sour grapes How are we going to accept a blessing? Are we going to accept the blessing as it's intended? Or is it going to be a feast of sour grapes due to the unrepented sin that is in our hearts and in our lives? It never occurred to the brothers that when they were being brought before Joseph, that it was a good thing. Never once did they think it was a good thing. They assumed it would be they would be treated just like they treated their enemies. Anytime they got in a situation, they brought the enemy in nice and close to them, circumcised them, killed them, and three days later, right? Wow. They would set them up, strike them down, just like they did to the town of Shechem. They set them up for marriage, said, oh yeah, we'll agree to your turns, and then slaughtered them after they agreed to their one term. The brothers, they were terrified. This is how it says in verse 18. When they saw that they were beginning to being taken into Joseph's house. It's because of the money someone put in our sacks last time we were here. They said, he plans to pretend that we stole it. And then, then he will seize us and make us slaves and take our donkeys. Right? What's the donkey so important about? It's their most prized possession, that's why. right? It'd be like taking their Mustang, except for our Mustang would be a Ford one, right? Like bite your tongue. It'd be our Corvettes, right, Dave? (laughs) So what do they do? They're at the mercy of this guy. It's like any good television show. Season one, we see the first bad guy. The second season, we see the major bad guy. And it gets even bigger. It's all encompassing. And they realize that even where they live, they can't escape the second bad guy. They are in the house of Joseph. They're really realizing how big a deal Joseph is in the, in the kingdom of Egypt. And they run to the household manager and they confess somebody else's sin. <laughs> you notice that? It wasn't our fault, it wasn't my fault. It was The money just showed up? I don't know how it got there. That's right. You ever do that? How'd the window break? I don't know. It, I just turned around, and there was a crack right in the middle of it. Right? I think all voices go high when you confess, too, by the way. Uh, how's the manager reply to that? Full... Of grace, right? Full of grace. Relax. Don't be afraid. He doesn't say my God. He says your God. The God of your father. Remember him? You forgot him in the last 20-some odd years. Remember him. It's the first mention that we have to the brothers of God, except for the little confession that we had with, with Joseph says, your God, the God of your fathers, must have put this treasure in your sacks. I have received your payment already. A double payment, folks. The payment for the grain and the blessing of the the money returned. It's a double payment. That's what Christ does for us on the cross, too. He does a double payment. He pays for our sins, and then he gives us eternal life with God the Father. There's symbolism in here like crazy. But what does that mean for us today? A feast of sour grapes, it's when I bring my own gifts, my own abilities, my own hard work to the table. It is not good enough. It will never be good enough. It's like chasing after the wind is what King Solomon says. It slips right through our fingers. God does not need us to help him work out our salvation. God does not need us to work out our salvation. He has all that he needs. He already has his chosen son. He had him from the beginning of time. Before time began, Christ was there. They had a plan to save man. It was through Jesus Christ, not man. The prophecies, they have been laid. The stage has been set. We just need to surrender To the lead rope, right? Just like that calf has to. When we're pulling against pressure. Do you know all animals do that? Especially cows, though. They pull against pressure. So if you pull a cow one way and it feels the pressure on the back of its head, it'll pull back and it'll, it'll go the other way. So I was like, well, why don't you push him from the rear? I don't know. Maybe, maybe you should push on them, they'll run, walk forward. I don't know. God already has his chosen one. God already has it worked out that we need to reach out for his strength, his power, his provision to see us through. God has made a way. Anything else in this life is like feeding On sour grapes. Christ is the only way to the Father. And again, we see it prophetically in the story of Joseph. Because God has a way through his son to rescue us from ourselves. Let's finish this off. 24-34 through says, The manager then led the men into Joseph's palace. He gave them water to wash their feet and provided food for their donkeys. And then was told them... They would be eating there, so they prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon. When Joseph came home, they gave him their gifts and had brought him. They bowed down low to the ground before him. After greeting them, he said, How is your father, the old man you spoke about? Is he alive? Yes, they replied. Our father, your servant, is alive and well. And they bowed low again. And then Joseph looked at his brother Benjamin, the son of his own mother. Is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? "'Joseph asked, "'May God be gracious to you, my son.' "'Then Joseph hurried from the room "'because he was overcome with with emotion for his brother. "'He went into his private room where he broke down and wept. "'After washing his face, he came back out, "'keeping himself under control, "'and then he ordered, bring out the food. "'The waiters served Joseph at his own table.' And his brothers were separated, uh, served at a separate table. The eight Egyptians who ate with Joseph sat at their own table because Egyptians despised Hebrews and refused to eat with them. Joseph told each of his brothers where to sit. And to their amazement, he seated them according to age, from oldest to youngest. And Joseph filled their plates with food from his own table and giving Benjamin five times as much as he gave the others. So they feasted and drank freely with him. The final test, the setup. That's what this part of the test is. Part A, next week's part B, you can read about it all you want. It's the silver cup and the sacks, right? And what are they going to do with that? We'll talk about it next week if you want to wait that long. But me, I would have to go home and read the next part of 44. So you're welcome to do that. First, God through Joseph is preserving the brothers, presenting the brothers with a picture of redemption. The servants tell them to relax about the payment. Then he says, your God has made payment for you. And this is a bit of foreshadowing on how all this works. He then takes care of their feet. He washes their feet. Do we see symbolism there? Absolutely, in Jesus Christ. He washes the disciples' feet right before he goes to the cross. He takes care of their labor and their concerns. Their donkeys, right? Their prized possessions. He takes care of those. He treats them with respect. And then he takes care of their provisions as they come into town. He feeds them a noon meal. And they are doing well there. He expresses to his brother about his grace. May God's grace be gracious to you, my son. And he breaks down and he cries. Why does he do that? Because Joseph's heart is broken. Joseph has a forgiving heart. He has forgiven his brother's. This is all in the past for him. He wants to see where it is with his brothers. He's not testing the brothers to hold it over them that he has the authority. No, he's testing the brothers to see if they have the ability to change their hearts so that they can surrender to a God Almighty and do life just like he has. The brothers, they still try to give what they have to make it right by bringing the gifts. And gifts are okay, But they have to come with a correct, broken, and contrite heart. Not in a way that they are paying their own debt. There's no way that we can do good works to get the job done. No, it is by grace we have been saved, not by works so that no man can boast. Ephesians 2, 8, that we read for call to worship this morning. Joseph asks about his father and his brother. He sees his brother is there. He is in good health. And he sees that his brothers are treating him well. Joseph is overwhelmed. He's about to put the brothers through another test. And he's putting Benjamin right in the middle of it. Right? Part of this is concern for his brother. He sees that, hey, what I'm about to do... I'm about to load his plate five times more to make them jealous. I'm about to put my silver cup in his sack and see if they blame him instead of taking responsibility like they just did earlier. How are they going to respond? Are they going to walk away for a whole month and six weeks and not come back again like they did? Or are they going to come back right away? We'll have to wait till next week to find out, won't we? So he fills her plates, he puts them in birth order, which is important because I think he recognizes that maybe he's not supposed to be the guy in charge. God has a bigger plan for that. I think we've already seen some prophecies that the house of Judah is supposed to be in that spot. And Joseph, he is overwhelmed, he goes off fills their plates, Benjamin's five times more, and he's setting up the scenario which would invoke his brother's jealousy, just like he had him. He's saying that Benjamin is, is the head of the household because he gives him five times more than what anybody else was, and it is just like this coat of many colors back in the day. How are they going to react to Benjamin in the same situation? Let's finish it off with this. How do we react when our enemy gets the same treatment? When they get the blessing, when they get the success, how are we going to act? And maybe it's that they're not your enemy, but maybe you're their enemy. And you have to give something up to them. How are we any different than the brothers? Maybe it's time. Maybe it's treasure. Maybe it's talent. We don't know. Do we expect people to treat us the same way as we treat them, just like the brothers did? They said, oh, they're setting us up. Now they're going to knock us down. What wells up in us? Is it fear? Fear that something bad's going to happen to us because we did something wrong? Or is it gratitude? Well, I'm glad they, they got those funds. I'm glad they got that time with, with that particular person and I didn't. Can you be joyful for them? Whew. You're asking a lot, Pastor. I'm only asking what the Lord asks of me. Is there hope in that situ- situation? Or are we brought down to desperation? Can there be hope and desperation? Only through Christ Jesus. Only through Christ Jesus. Friends, God put us in these situations to refine us in his image. For such a time as this, as he tells Queen Esther... He tells Paul, my grace is sufficient. You have everything you need. We will boast now in the Lord and not in ourselves. Jesus says, Lord, does it have to be this way? And he says, but not my will, Lord. Your will be done. And he dies on the cross, a gruesome death. But what do we know? That three days later, he defeated death in victory in life in the tomb. And we have an opportunity to serve a risen Savior, the chosen Son. And God has redeemed all of us because God has a way through his Son to rescue us from ourselves. Praise God. Amen. Let's pray. Elders, you want to come forward? Josh, you want to stop that recording, please, before you come up?